Thank you for joining us today. This is Clint Byers, lead pastor of Forward Church. I pray this message blesses and encourages you. I hope it inspires transformative grace in your heart and establishes you even deeper in your new covenant identity in Christ. Now take a deep breath, become aware of God's spirit within you, and enjoy the message. I, I just I wanted to highlight this man, Martin Luther King Jr., this message I'm calling it Rising to the Level of Love, which kind of comes out of a quote about him. And, you know, if you haven't studied much about him, you know, there, there's so much. He's obviously a huge advocate for civil rights and equality and injustice pastor to church here in Atlanta, Ebenezer Baptist Church, and, you know, essentially laid his life down. Nobody's perfect, right? Nobody's perfect, but uh, a man to regard and respect and, and learn from. And over the past little while, I've been going back and just reading some of his words and reading some of his sermons. And we've I've always taken one of his quotes, and I'll, and I'll, and I'll just put this up here, but it's always been a big thing with the whole forward theme. Faith is taking the first step even when you don't see the whole staircase. And it's so true. Turns out there's really not a sermon where he directly said that. <laughs> but it's attributed to him because it's kind of a big summary of, of his whole thing is, is you just keep moving forward. You take steps. You, 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 you lay your life down. You risk it, and you, and you do. You take steps. You move forward. So let me read this. This is the quote from him that I want to base today's talk of off of. Uh, and I'll read it to you if you can't see that. If you're closer to the back wall, you can turn and look back there. Uh, if you're watching on the screen, you should be able to see it. So this is one of his quotes uh, from one of his sermons. There may come a time, and, and it, you know, here's what's interesting, because the restoration thing, the, the mission regarding national state of being, uh, how God's woven all this together, e even how this is going to end today with things that maybe you're going to get to release out of your heart that have been troubling you for a long time. There may come a time when it will be possible for you to humiliate your worst enemy or even defeat him, but in order to love the enemy, you must not do it. The Greek language has another word for love. It calls it agape. Agape is more than romantic love. Agape is more than friendship. Agape is understanding, redemptive, goodwill for all men. I love that summary that he put together there. Agape is understanding, redemptive goodwill for all men. Agape is an overflowing love, a spontaneous love, which seeks nothing in return. Theologians would say it's the love of God operating in the human heart, which to me is what grace is. Grace is this influence. It's the power of God. It's the desires of God manifesting through you and merging with you so that His desires become your desires and love moves and flows, right? And, the, and us as a body, and we talked about this a few weeks ago, the world should know that we are followers of Jesus by our love for one another. How good are we doing at that? 
and then Jesus prayed right before he allows himself to be arrested that we would be as one with him as he is with God and that we would be as one with each other as he is with God and he is with us. Why? So the world would believe. Our unity, our love for one another in the body of Christ should compel the world to believe that God sent Jesus for them too. Amen? So this, this message of reconciliation and restoration, because you're going up there with the ministry of reconciliation in a, in a world that is built on division. So, you know, it's, it's nobody envies you. It's a tough world, but you got that message. And who better to go? And then the rest of the quote, when you rise to love on this level, you love all men, not because you like them, not because their ways appeal to you, not because they're worthful to you, but you love all men because God loves them. And you rise to the noble heights of loving the person who does the evil deed while hating the deed that the person does and I think this is what Jesus means when he says, love your enemies. Amen? And I'll just read that to you as well. Matthew 5, we're going 43 through 48. <clears throat> this is what he's quoting, Matthew 5, 43. Now, this is, I don't have a ton of scripture today, but this is what we're going to land on and for you to walk away with because you got some enemies. You know, the father, the fatherhood, I'm not going to ask you to raise your hand, but how many of you still harbor unforgiveness even for your own father or mother or grandparents or uncles? And it hurts, right? It hurts. It still hurts. You've heard that it was said, you shall love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I say to you, love your enemies. Bless those who curse you. Now, remember how we read 1 Thessalonians 4, like 11, 12, a few weeks ago? And it was increasing. So we're talking about like a life philosophy to take out of Scripture and apply to your life. This is what we want to do with the Word. We want to gain knowledge. We want to grow in understanding. But you want to live it out. Because if you're not putting it into practice in a way that actually changes you and changes your life and makes you an example for Him, then you're just full of knowledge, full of something. <laughs> You've heard that it was said, you shall love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I say to you, love your enemies. This is a philosophy. If you, want, if you want a word for 2024, that live a quiet life. So the, the, oh, the first Thessalonians 4 was live a quiet life, uh, work with your hands, tend to your own business. What was the fourth one? Fortunately, I made a slide for it. I almost forgot. Increase in brotherly love, live a quiet life, work with your hands, tend to your own business. This whole live a quiet life. I'm going to come back to live a quiet life. I think really all throughout the year, I feel like it's a good theme to stick to. And I just feel like there's a, there's a lot in there to mine out. You know, what, he, what Paul told the, 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 the church of Thessalonica, Thessalonica, easy for me to say, uh, you know, your love for one another and the fact that you are standing in faith under persecution is an example, and because of that example, the gospel's going forth. And he says to do these things, increase in love toward one another, live a quiet life, take care of your stuff. That, therefore, causes you to be an example that causes the gospel to go out. And that takes a lot of pressure off because a lot of us, you're, you're not, you may not be called to Congress, 
You may not be called to build some big national or international thing. You might be called to just live a quiet life, do a good job, represent him in your actions and your words and your choices and how you raise your family and how you respond to people. And that's a great calling. Amen. That's a great way to live. It's an example to live where people see Jesus because of how you choose to live. And Paul directly says, living this way causes you collectively to be an example that causes the gospel to go forth. And then Jesus would add to that, so the world would believe. So the world will believe. Man, if you want a calling, you want to know what you're supposed to be doing for God, love one another. It's simple, but... I mean, like, it's a no-brainer, but we're going to look at how hard it might be, especially with a man like this. So let me read the rest of this. Uh, Sorry, let me go back to this passage here. But I say to you, love your enemies, bless those who curse you. Love your enemies, bless those who curse you. You got anybody that curses you? Do good to those who hate you. Pray for those who spitefully use you and pray for those who persecute you. I mean, if we just did that, like you want something to do? You ever prayed, God, what do you want me to do? I'll do anything. Just start, like, do that. Try that right there. Verse 45, that you may be sons of your Father in heaven, for he makes his sun rise on the evil and and on the good, and sends rain on the just and unjust. So what he's saying is, look, everybody, first off, maybe not deserve it, but should be loved. Your attitude toward them, whether they're evil or not, whether they stand for the right political views that you say that they should stand for, whether they vote for the right person or not, you know, we curse people. So it might not be us praying for people that curse us. It's maybe you pray for yourself because you're cursing these people. Did you know that Democrats can actually be Christians? Verse 45, that you may be the sons of your father. Uh, So for he makes his son rise on the evil and on the good and sends rain on the just and unjust. For if you love those who love you, what reward have you? Do not even the tax collectors do the same. And if you greet the brethren only, what do you do more than others? Uh, Do not even tax collectors do so. Therefore, you shall be perfect just as your father in heaven is perfect. I'm going to... I like the Amplified specifically here. I don't use the Amplified a lot, but it gets the definition of perfect really uh, right here. So this is Matthew 5, 48, because we're talking about the perfect thing from the Amplified. You, therefore, will be perfect, growing into spiritual maturity. You want to be perfect like God? Be spiritually mature. In other words, always believe the best, expect the best. All things are possible. Special. That's why you. That's why you can love people because it's possible that God's love can get in and change them too. Both in mind and character, actively integrating godly values into your daily life, as your heavenly Father is perfect. And so, then, where do we see Jesus doing this? This quote here: "Father, forgive them, for they don't know what they do." Now, just kind of put yourself there for a minute. This is on the cross, he says this. This is being ridiculed by one thief to one side, being hammered to that cross, 
whipped, beaten, bloody, bruised, knowing that he's about to experience separation from God in the grave on our behalf. For the joy set before him, he endured the cross, and this is what he's thinking. He's looking at them, and he has compassion for them. And now we've got some woundings. We have some hurts that are still there. And, but is this our attitude? You know, we kind of like that side that says, vengeance is of the Lord. God, take out your vengeance. You know, we want him to show up and vengeful. But it's like, man, the heart is, no, I want these people to know the love of God. That's the reason we stand up and to take, take the persecution. I mean, for most of us, it's maybe a sideways comment on Facebook. Really. Or maybe, you know, something doesn't go our way or whatever it might be. But this is the attitude. Now, let me just tell you, this, this is, this is kind of heavy, but um, Sarah and I have a friend. Most of you, well, none of you know this person. She's never been here. She lives further away. But we've started uh, working with her in a certain capacity. And this happened about four or five days ago. And it's, it's just really very troubling. And she's having difficulty even going in her own home. So what, what happened is she was home alone. Her, her husband is a, about to be a general in the Air Force. And he's just out on duty and can't come home. And she experienced a, a break-in, a home invasion. And I'm not going to give you the details because it's pretty disturbing, and I don't want you having these thoughts in your mind to ruminate on. But let me just tell you, she's physically okay. Thank God for that. But there's, she has a picture of the guy's face on her ring camera, and is, it's haunting her because of what happened in the house that she can't get out from underneath it. And I understand that. And, I, and I'm not trying to use her just to evoke emotion within you. It's just fresh. It's happening right now. Like even in this moment, right now, she is trying to figure out how she can even be in her own home. See, these are the kind of moments where love your enemy must happen in our hearts Otherwise, we stay vexed and wounded and fearful. And I know a lot of y'all's stories in here. You know, there's sexual abuse. There's physical trauma. You lost your dad early, and it's unfair. People have hurt you. People have taken advantage from you and stolen from you, and they've robbed your peace. That's the time that we adopt this mentality, right? We, see, we, we look at it as oftentimes, I think, love your enemy is the things that we're past and we're over, and it's like, okay, I want them to be good, but in the middle of it. I mean, Jesus, you know, probably said this before they shoved the spear in his side and split him open. I mean, he's in agony hanging on that cross, and he's looking at them. I am doing this for you because I want you to be forgiven. I want you to experience the restoration with our Father. I want to share a meal with you in the eternal kingdom to come. I want the best for you. For the joy set before him, he endured the cross. He's thinking about you. 
You know, I, I, I remember when I got saved, um, came out of a weird, crazy, demonic, I wasn't raised in church, so I was pretty out there, pretty dark stuff. And I just, I had this encounter where, and I really try not to build doctrine off of uh, experiences, but this was just so meaningful to me. And I actually think it was the moment that I got born again, because it, it was the moment that it all became really real for me, is I, I, coming out of the fog and out of the darkness and still being all messed up. And I remember sitting on my sofa and just think I was talking to him and I just was fighting to get my mind and, you know, just, just freaking out. And I just was able to relax for just a moment. And then I saw this picture probably about twice as far as the back wall in this room is what it felt like. And I can see it and I feel it when I start thinking about it. But I, I looked and it was as if everything went away and I could see him hanging on that cross. And the moment that I saw him there, it was as if he became aware of me in the future seeing him back in the past. Now, I don't know if this happened or not, but for the joy set before him, he endured the cross. I almost wonder if God showed him all those that would come into the kingdom through that work that he was doing. And somehow in that eternal dimension, he was able to connect with those of us that would say yes to him because he loved us. While you were yet a sinner, Christ died for you. Now, the death that you might need to do is let go of the pain and the anger that you're holding toward this person. You might have a just reason to hold on to it, and you probably do. And maybe something happened to you that's unjust. You know, we think about the African-American community in this uh, country, you know. This country wasn't founded so people could have slaves. It was founded so that we could be free from a tyrannical government and regime and, you know, corrupt sovereign. And, and slavery is a huge blight in that process. Um, so, I, you know, and, and, and most of us don't know what that's like to have to process through all that and hear the history and everything. But we have other kinds of hurts and we have other kinds of pains. And the only thing that we know that sets us free from that stuff is forgiving Knowing that we're forgiven, like we talked about last week, experiencing the forgiveness of God, knowing as an anchor, a pillar in our faith that we are forgiven, and then also walking in that forgiveness. You know, so for us as believers, we forgive others as Christ forgave us. Amen. But I'm just, man, I'm just telling you, there, there is a freedom that like he said, when you rise to that level, it's as if God is loving them through you. Because that may be the only chance that they get to experience the love of God. And maybe some of you haven't gone through a really difficult loss or injustice. But people around you have. There probably are people that you're holding something else, and it's time to. You know, it's easy to just say, let it go, get over it. You know, those, those that doing pretty well. It's easy to look at somebody who's holding on to something. Let's get over it. I'm not so sure that that's helpful. There's some stuff you don't know and understand about whatever it is that they're going through, right? 
and you might have been through something worse and more difficult for the, than what they're going through. And it's, and it's hard to, well, I went through this, and that's all you're going through? That's like, you've got a hangnail, and I'm, you know. And it's, it's like, no, wherever people are, it's real to them. That's their reality. But it's more than just you experiencing freedom. It is a mandate within the kingdom that all believers lay it down and love one another. Man, we're, we're good at drawing lines within the body of Christ. I'm good at it too. I love to pick the winners and the losers myself. I like to feel right, you know? We all like to, but setting that stuff aside, recognizing one with each other so the world will believe. Where can we build bridges? Probably some of the most profound area to build bridges are in areas where you've experienced an injustice, where you've been used and hurt. Now, I'm not saying, you know, like he said in this quote, it don't mean you got to like them. <laughs> don't mean you got to go back and work with them. Doesn't mean you got to whatever. You're not a doormat. You know, we're not, you're not, I'm not talking about you putting yourself in a position to where you're used and abused again. We're not talking about enabling bad behavior. We're not talking about excusing something that obviously was a wrong. You know, it, 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 absolutely you've experienced injustices, but, but the forgiveness that you get to display, it's empowering. And it's a message. Just, just like Paul told the church of Thessalonica, you know, you guys are proclaiming the gospel because you're keeping the faith under persecution and because of this great love that you have for one another. You know, if, if you didn't hear that message, go back and, and, and watch that. Increase in brotherly love, live a quiet life. It, it goes through that. And what I did was I, I looked at all the areas where Paul highlights where they're loving one another, and then, the, and then that's a message that they're living out collectively together. And then you recognize, man, the, most of the work that we need to do as Christians is not trying to figure out how to get God to move. It's figuring out how to quit limiting what he's trying to do through you. And what he's trying to do through you is get you whole and healed so that you can be that ambassador, that representative, that light bringer, that kingdom carrier, walking in the ministry of reconciliation. And I get it. I'm, I, you know, that's one of the things that's difficult about preaching is you, you see heartbroken people going through marriages falling apart. And, you know, I'm just, I'm just thinking about my friend even right now. And I'm feeling this one a lot for some reason because, you know, the way that she's describing what she's feeling about even being in her own home. And I'm, and I'm thinking, okay, well, here's what you need to do. You're safe. Be thankful for that. Walk yourself through forgiveness process, releasing the trauma. But easy for me to say, right? What we need to become adept at is letting the Holy Spirit empower us just like Jesus did on this cross. Forgiving those in the midst of abusing and killing him. So I'm not sure what that looks like for you. But what I do know is that what you can do is you can identify with the sufferings of Christ on your behalf. And you can take that pain and you can roll it over onto the cross. 
you can take that that hate and that anger and that fear and that worry and that righteous indignation, you know? It's right for us to hate evil, to hate lawlessness. It is right, but it's not for you to act on or hold it against them. It's killing you. And that would be my prayer is that you let the Holy Spirit teach you how to roll this over. You know, you, you, you let the Spirit show you how on that cross He experienced the emotions that you're going through right now. He knows what it's like. He is a good and faithful high priest that knows how to help you. He became just like you in all ways, limited like we are, yet without sin. And what did He do? He forgave while being killed. Why? So that we could be free. Can you imagine? And, it, and it's hard, and you need help. You need help for that. And the Holy Spirit is the only one that can really strengthen you and empower you and bring you to that place of wholeness and healing. But I would also say, get with some people and let them help you. Tell people what's going on in your life. Ask for, ask for some help. Ask for some prayer. Let the church be the church for you. I'd love to say, get over it. Grow up. Keep moving. But it's just not that easy in a lot of cases, right? And we know that. But you also do owe it. I mean, I, you know, I even might use this language. We owe it to Christ to let ourselves be healed so that we can represent Him. I'm not saying your salvation is based on it, but it's like, this is my Lord and my God, and He commanded me to forgive. I don't know how to do that, but you do because you did it. In fact, you are the source of forgiveness. He is our sanctification and our redemption. He is our wholeness and our healing and our atonement, the cleansing blood. And this is not a promise that everything's just going to magically work out, because it might not. You might still lose whatever it is you're in the midst of losing. Jesus lost his life in the midst of it for great purpose. And I'm not saying there's purpose, God's doing to you this thing. But you only have control over you. And don't you want to be free? Don't you want to quit being easily offended? Don't you want to quit having to steal your mind and your heart and be tough and protective? You know, don't you want to not experience that when you're trying to go to sleep and then that thing, you think about it and it just, it just starts to eat you up and you hate that it's there and you can't resolve it. And so you grab your phone and you listen to something and you turn to fall asleep watching TV because you don't have peace while you're trying to fall asleep because it's eating you alive. You can be free from that. Do you know what I'm talking about? Would you, would you put Psalm 4-4 four, four up, Christine? Psalm 4-4, four, four, please. I think I want to end on this. I ran across this this week. <clears throat> and, I, and this will give you a tool of, of how to 
Let yourself be empowered by God to be free, experience wholeness, and walk in this forgiveness so that the world will look at you as an example and recognize the love that you're experiencing with other believers, the love from God, and this forgiveness that you're, able to, that you're able to walk in. Like people should look at you, know what you've been through, and be shocked that you're healthy. And this is a way to do it. This is a way to engage the process, to let the Holy Spirit be your counselor. Psalm 4, 4, be angry and do not sin. That kind of feels good, doesn't it? Well, I get to be angry, uh, which is, you know, can be processing. You like, being, you like being angry a little bit? Emily, you like being angry a little bit? Maybe just a little bit sometimes. Meditate within your heart on your bed and be still. And it's interesting that he associates it with anger and sin. Meditating on your bed and being still. Because what ha- I'll ask you that. What happens when you're meditating on your bed and being still? Where does your mind and your heart go? Like, like for real. Is it disappointment in God because that thing hasn't come to fruition? Is it confusion that you entertain that's robbing faith and standing on the promise? And, and then maybe something actually did happen to you and then it kind of starts to creep in. Nope, not going there. Not going there. It's like that Bob Newhart sketch. Stop it. And she says, well, my, my father, nope, 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 we don't go there. I'm trying to lighten it up a little bit. But it would be easy to just say stop it, but that's not how it works. You, you, you have to dive into this, you know. And Jesus showed us the way he dove into our sin. He, he became our sin on the cross. He passed into the grave and he went into that darkness separated from God. But he remained faithful to what God promised. And this is what you do. You, you get into that place. And in that moment when whatever it might be starts to raise its head and starts to eat you up from the inside out, you got to let it run its course. You're not, you're not fighting it necessarily trying to win by effort. It's... You know, it's the Holy Spirit will help you put those pieces of the puzzle together. And the Holy Spirit will leak healing and wholeness. He'll remind you, no, I, I bore that for you. Give it to me. And you roll it over to him. You know, that, that's where you get creative in your mind. You use your imagination, whatever, however it works for you, but where it brings a real actual effect and you feel forgiveness. Even to the point, and this is the last point, even to the point where you have love and compassion and you want the best for that person that hurt you. Your past uh, feeling angry about it, your past feeling sad for the loss of whatever that thing might be, and you actually genuinely get to the point where you might not like them, but you want them to know and experience God's love. And you can pray for them as if you genuinely want them to know and be whole and healed. And even for yourself, and this is something that you can do, you know. 
you can kind of step outside of yourself a little bit. If you know that you're hurting and you're not dealing with what you need to deal with, you kind of step outside of yourself a little bit and look back at yourself and pray for you as if you're praying for someone else. Because you know what we do, we pray from in the middle of our pain. If you can step out of it a little bit and look at it, you just pray for yourself as if you're praying for yourself rather than you're praying to God to, for, out of desperation, right? You detach from it a little bit, step out, and you're praying for yourself. You ever prayed for yourself that way? Th that's actually what you're doing when you pray with your spirit or, or in tongues. You're praying perfect prayer from the Spirit of God over your life. That's what's happening. When you don't know how to pray, God does, and He's given mankind authority over this planet, and He gave us this wonderful gift that you can use, and I, I encourage you to use it. We're not going to force you up here and make you do it, but I encourage you, go home. And if you don't do it, try, because it's for you. It's for today. There's such great empowerment and healing within it. Amen? Are you thinking of the situation or the person or you're feeling it? Do you feel yourself wanting to get away from it a little bit? Or I don't know if I can do this. Or maybe there's a little bit. Of, how many of you are feeling a sense of hope? Yeah. Susan, would you come up, please? Just stand up with me, and we'll, we'll pray our way out of here. You know, and this is just one of those heavy things, and, and this, is, this is really a lifelong journey sometimes of, of letting this go and adopting this as a way to, to let the Holy Spirit minister to you and you even minister to yourself. And I, I'm not going to tell you exactly what this is supposed to look like. You get it. You're adults. You understand what the Holy Spirit would want to do and, and what you should do but just can't seem to do. The Holy Spirit's a helper, and He will help you. Amen? Thank you, Holy Spirit, that you are alive and well. Jesus, thank you for being that example and forgiving on the cross, for forgiving me. And I stand forgiven before you. But maybe my unforgiveness toward others is causing me to have dirty feet and you just want to wash my feet. I'm clean, I'm washed, but we get our feet dirty and we just want to let it go. Thank you, Holy Spirit, that you're helping us in this moment. Father, thank you that you're, you're giving people uh, the opportunity to let their minds and their hearts go there where they previously wouldn't let themselves go. And I thank you that even in this moment, the healing begins, the restoration begins. And the fact that we can personally experience reconciliation and restoration with you, Father, and then we get to walk that out with other people, and then we as the body of Christ can bring broader reconciliation, the ministry of reconciliation on all levels, nationally, culturally, internationally, bringing people to the knowledge of you, which is thereby proclaiming the gospel and participating in the increase of his kingdom. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Just, just give him the opportunity for a moment. Just acknowledge his presence within you. Maybe you're in the room today, you've never said yes to Jesus, and you want to for the first time. You want to say, yes, I, I want to believe in Jesus. I believe that God sent him for me. Just raise your hand so I can see your hand. Maybe for the first time today, you're wanting to proclaim that. Maybe you're watching online. 
We have a video that we'll roll after this, walk you through that process. But Holy Spirit, we just give you our hearts. Just see yourself giving him your life, giving him your inner world. That thing that's eating you up, you just take it and give it to him because he processed it and dealt with it on the cross. He paid for it. He was bruised for your iniquity. The chastisement for our peace was upon him. He carried our grief and bore our sorrows and our sicknesses. So Jesus, thank you that your finished work on that cross is alive and active within me, your resurrection life bringing me to wholeness and restoration because I'm an ambassador for you and I want to walk forgiven and in forgiveness. So we trust you and we love you. Thank you, Holy Spirit. We praise your name, Holy Spirit. Just worship him for just a moment. He's the reason we gather. Jesus, we acknowledge you. Thank you, Lord. Thank you that you're with us. I thank you that in addition to emotional and spiritual healing, you died for physical healing, so I just speak life over our bodies. The same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead is giving life to our physical body. And let him walk you through that. Let him help you as if Jesus himself were praying for you. You know? If whatever it is that you need healing from, if Jesus walked in the room and laid his hands on you himself, what would happen? That's what he wants for you. So Jesus, we thank you. Thank you, Holy Spirit, that you're ministering. Yes, Lord, we say yes. Yes, Jesus.